If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John chapter 14 uh, with me um, today. And we've been in a series uh, and uh, been gleaning here out of John chapter 14, verse 6. Powerful scripture here, powerful scripture. Many of us can quote it. Those who have been in church can probably definitely quote it at some point. Um, and uh, this series we've been talking about... It, Jesus being the way, Jesus being the truth, and Jesus being the life. And those are all three important elements. Amen? Amen? And Jesus said these things with authority and with power and with might. And so Jesus will meet you right where you're at. So John chapter chapter 14, verse 6. If you have your Bibles, hold them up for me. Who brought their Bible today? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Glad, glad to see those Bibles. And some of you got your phones, and that's okay. But I can promise you the battery does not run out on this guy right here, all right? And so uh, that's okay. If you don't have it, it will be up on, on the screen. John chapter 14, verse 6. And let me give you a little bit of, of, of the backstory here that's going on. And Jesus in John chapter 14, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. This is the first verse in that, in that uh, uh, particular chapter. And he says, if you believe in me, believe also in my Father. For, and he says, I'm going to go away, and, if, and, and where I'm going, I, you know, you may also be with me. And so there in this time, the disciples in, in John chapter 13 had just found out that, that uh, Jesus told them that one is going to betray them, betray him, and one is going to deny him, and, and they're lost. And he says he's going away, and so they're, they're struggling a little bit. Anybody ever had a struggle in your life before? Come on, somebody. And the disciples are a little bit lost, but Jesus starts this particular a uh, bit of scripture, John 14, 1, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Uh, um, the, I guess a better rendering of that would be stop being troubled, okay? So don't let these things bother you. Jesus is telling them, hey, hey, you may be, these things may be going on, but don't let them bother you. And, and, and he goes on to tell them, hey, I, I'm going to a place, and, and, and I'm going to prepare this place, and I'm going away. And, and, and Thomas asked that question. He says, Lord, uh, where are you going, and how do we know the way? And, and, you know, Thomas takes a lot of flack sometimes, but he's asking good questions. When you don't know uh, the, uh, the, you know, an answer, you, you ask questions, right? I've always heard the, the only dumb question is the one you didn't ask. So kudos to Thomas for saying, I don't understand what you're saying, Jesus. And he says, how do we know the way? And Jesus said to him in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way. Everyone say the way. And the truth. Everyone say, and the truth. And the life. Everyone say, and the life. Powerful, powerful, potent words right there by Jesus. And then he says this. No one comes to the Father except through me. God's got a way. Listen, there's this old song, and I think I mentioned this last week, that that goes, God's got a way that you can't get over, and God's got a way that you can't get around it, and God's got a way you can't get under you got to come in at the door, and the door is Jesus Christ and him alone. Amen? All right. And, and so uh, it, it, he says this. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray today? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your anointing, God, that I feel in this house. God, I pray, Lord, that you would draw men's heart. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would soften people's hearts today. God, I pray, Lord, that this word would go forth, God, in mighty power. God, Lord, that you would use me as you see fit. God, anoint your, your vessel today, God. And God, help me to honor what you want me to do today. 
God, lead and guide me. God, I pray, Lord, that these words, God, uh, of Scripture would go forth, would land in soft soil, God, and, and hearts would be changed forever. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray it. Everybody said amen. So, so Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, see, without the way, there is no going, right? When you don't know the way somewhere, you're not going to go somewhere. Uh, I mean, uh, how many have ever tried to, to figure it out before GPS? You know, I'm just going to go this way. I'm going to get in the car. I'm just going to take off. And how many have got yourself lost? All right. All right, some of you don't even know there was a time before GPS where you had to have a paper map and they were hard to fold. All right, and, and, and so, so without the way, there is no going. And here's the, here's the flip side of that. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the truth, there is no knowing. When Jesus, I talked about this last week, being the truth, and he will help us to know the way and understand the way. And here's the last one. And without life, there really is no living. No living. So uh, uh, one of the statements that I like to say, and I've said this every Easter, I believe, since I've been here, is this. The resurrection is the hinge on which the door of salvation swings open. The resurrection is the hinge on which the door of our salvation swings open. Let me put that to you in, in second, grade, second grade terms. Without the resurrection, we can't be saved. No resurrection, I cannot be made whole. Okay, so look at this. I, I, Romans 8, 11, it says, it says this, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us when we are believers. Amen. If you have Jesus in your heart, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is in you. Some of you need to wake that spirit up this morning, all right. Some of you need to wake that up in your heart. See, here's the thing. We have an overcoming power today through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul would say it like this in Corinthians. He said it like this. Oh, death, where is your sting? And he's talking about Jesus raising from the dead. And Jesus would say it like this in John 11. I am the resurrection and the life. And he would prove it by dying on the cross and then raising from from, from the grave. So I want to talk to you. Jesus is life. Everyone say, Jesus is life. Here's my first point. I, I need to make this because uh, for Jesus to be life, we, Jesus is alive. Everyone say, he's alive. He is alive. For Jesus to be alive, he has to be alive. Here's the thing. Uh, for Jesus to declare that he is the life, he, in fact, would have to be alive. Dead things do not produce living things. Bottom line. Dead corpse do not produce babies. Come on, somebody. That's scientific. This is interesting, okay? So Jesus is alive. And look at this. And I want to go through some of the gospel's accounts here of Jesus resurrecting real fast. I'm not going to be on this long, but I want to share this with you. According to Matthew's account, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Matthew chapter 28, okay? Matthew chapter 28. According to Matthew's account, uh, th there are two Marys, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. How many know it's not fun to be the other Mary? Mary Magdalene, and you're the other one, right? Uh, I, I said this in first service. Uh, you know, I have my brother. There's my brother, and then sometimes we'll be like, oh, you're the other brother, or you're the other guy, right? You're, you're just kind of a footnote there. You're, you're a Mary, but we don't know much else about you. You're the other Mary. Um, and, and on Sunday, they went to, to put burial spices and perfumes on, on Jesus' body, which was the custom. 
And they would not do that on Saturday because it was the Sabbath day, okay? They, they wouldn't do that on Saturday. So Jesus died on Friday evening, and they took him, they buried him, and they put him in the tomb. They closed the tomb up, and for Saturday, he sits there on Sunday morning. They are going to the tomb early in the morning, early, early, early in the morning. You know, most scholars believe it was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. How many know that that's a lot earlier than what time the church started today, all right? All right, some of the early church, uh, early service people thought that we were starting church that early today. But uh, from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., they journeyed to the tomb, somewhere in that, that vicinity. And the, and the scripture tells us they were worried about this thing. When we get to the tomb, we're just two ladies. We're Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. How are we going to move this this tomb stone? Or how are we going to move this this stone? You know, how are we going to do this? It's like two and a half to three, uh, maybe even four tons. How are we going to do this? I, I, we know a thing or two here in, in Bedford about moving big rocks, right? We are the limestone capital of of the world, right? And so we know a thing or two about that. How many know rock is heavy? All right, some of you, some of you, I guess uh, maybe. Don't know that. Go move a rock sometime. Go try it sometime. And, and their, their only concern is, hey, who is going to move the stone away? And when they get there, it's interesting. Matthew's account says that the guards are on the ground. They're paralyzed or scared or they're just there. And they're just down. And, and then the stone is rolled away. Imagine being these two ladies and coming up on that scene. And it says there is a bright figure there. There is an angel of the Lord that is sitting there. Matthew chapter 28, verses 5 and 6 say this. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. And I love that because every time an angel in Scripture comes to somebody and talks to them, the first thing they say is, do not be afraid. God doesn't want you to be afraid. Do not be afraid, ladies, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. I want to say he is not here. For he is risen, as he said. And then I like what the angel says here. Come and see where he lay. Listen, they are the first two to see the account that where Jesus was and where he isn't. They are the first two witnesses. This is amazing to me. So, so they go back and they begin to tell the disciples. So if you have your Bibles, jump over to John chapter 20. And they, listen, uh, all the Gospels mention this. And they, they all have some little nuances and some little differences. But how many know that the same thing happens? Jesus Christ raised from the dead in all of them. Amen. And that's the power right there that I want to talk about. So they go and tell the disciples, John and Peter, and this is John's account of what happened. John uh, chapter 20, verse 3 through 7, it says this. I like this. So Peter and the other disciple, the other disciple being John, he didn't want to call himself by name. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Verse 4, both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Verse 5, he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Verse 6, then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there. Verse 7, as well as the cloth they had wrapped uh, that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. So first thing I want to say about this is right here, uh, congratulations to John the Apostle for winning the resurrection's first 5K Easter Sunday, AD 33. Can we give John the Apostle a hand for being the first one to the tomb running, all right? John thought it was so important to let everybody know that he could outrun Peter that he put it in the eternal word of God so that we would be reading it today. How many know that boys will be boys, right? 
And John's letting you know, hey, well, Peter may have walked on water, but I beat him to the tomb. Just so you guys can know, right? Oh, I, I love that. So, but, but here's what happened. He, he is gone. He is not there. He, and, and Jesus had said that he would raise from the dead, and he is gone. And let me tell you something. When Jesus says he'll do something, he will do it. Jesus claimed he would rise again on the third day, and he did. So, uh, and here's the thing. I, I, I'll say this. The quickest way, the quickest way that, that people that did not believe in Jesus could have stopped Christianity was to show Jesus' body on the fourth day. That would have been the quickest way to say, hey, this thing does not exist. But you cannot show a body that has been raised from the dead and is not there. Amen? This is, this is uh, you know, if we look at that, if they wanted to disprove this whole thing, all they had to do was show a body. But, you know, there's this other hypothesis, and I, I'm not here to give you all these different things. I'm just, I'm just telling you, the swoon hypothesis believed actually that Jesus did not die on the cross, but that he fell asleep and was in some sort of coma, and then they put him in the tomb. And then here's the problem with that. After the beating that he took and after the spear that he took in his side, the body says that blood and water flowed forth. If this guy was in the tomb in a coma, it would take an awful lot for him to get up and tear his grave clothes off after being crucified for four to six hours, right? So the swoon hypothesis is really kind of a ridiculous one. Now I'm going to go a step further, okay? I'm going to go a little step further. There were 500 that said that they seen him ascend into heaven 40 days later. 500 people saw and witnessed that is what the scripture tells us. And then here's another step. I can go a little bit further. All the disciples that saw him and made note of him in the scripture, they, they all made note that they saw him. So here's what I'll tell you this. In court, it only takes one eyewitness to make something viable, right? And here we have 500. We have all the, all the disciples telling this. And I'll, I'll go even a little bit further to say this. I, I doubt that the disciples were martyred for believing in Jesus because they they, they lived a lie. They definitely would not have died for a lie. They would have lived. See, most of, all, uh, most of them were martyred, and, and they, tried, you know, they tried to kill John. They put him in boiling water, and he wouldn't boil, and, and boiling oil, and he wouldn't boil, so they just sent him to an island, and there God began to. Re- and so all these things, all these disciples were martyred in different ways, and they were not going to die because of a lie. They would live because it's the truth. And so what I know today is this, is, is that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Amen? It's confirmation. It's not confusion. It's a confirmation of who he was. It's the facts. If you look at the facts, the truth is Jesus is alive and resurrected. Come on, somebody. Amen? That's it. That's it. Listen to me. Jesus speaks to John in, in Revelation chapter 1, verse uh, verses 17, second part of this verse and 18, he says, do not be afraid. Because John is sitting there at his feet and he's laying down at Jesus' feet. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. What that tells me is Jesus Christ is also telling us, hey, I have overcome death, hell, and the grave. Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. 
The resurrection establishes three things for us. And if you're a note taker, you can write these down really fast. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just get these to you really fast. Number one, the confirmation of his claims. He is God. And, and, and this is what Jesus said in John chapter 2. He was talking to the Pharisees. He was talking to them. He said, I'm going to tear down this temple in three days and rebuild it. And they thought he was talking about the physical temple, the building. But what Jesus was talking about was this temple, his body. And he said, hey, I'm going to tear this thing down, and I'm going to rebuild it. And guess what? On the third day, it is coming back. And he fulfilled that claim. That's confirmation of who he is, his claims. Here's the second thing, the validation of the cross. Ephesians 2.8 says it's by grace you have been saved. It's not by works. It's nothing that we do. It's because of the price that Jesus Christ paid on Calvary. Amen? Amen? Here's what, how it is. You owe a debt. You owed a debt that you could not pay. And Jesus came along and said, I'll take care of that debt. <laughs> Paid in full. Done. Don't worry about it anymore. Here's the, here's the last thing. The continuation of his call. The resurrected king still saves today. How many believe that? Amen. Come on. Come on. He's still saving lives today. He's still calling people out of darkness into his marvelous life. So, so look at this. So how do I know? So you say this question. Pastor, how do I know I'm following the right or the wrong way? Here's a test that I like to do right here. All right. This is a simple test right here. All right. So go to Confucius' tomb. Guess what? It is occupied. Go to Buddha's tomb. It is occupied. Go to Muhammad's tomb. It is occupied. But if you go to the tomb of Jesus Christ, you will find out that it is empty. Amen? Amen? And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and I. And only Jesus can speak to dead things and bring them back to life. If you're dead spiritually, he can bring you back to life. If you're dead emotionally, he can bring you back. If you're dead relationally, he can bring you back. If you're struggling physically, he can bring you back to life. He is alive. Amen? Amen. Everyone say, he is alive. Number two, right here. Because Jesus is life, this is what I want to tell you. In this life, listen, we're all on this journey. This, we're, we're sojourners. We're pilgrims in this land. We're on this earth. What seems like a long time to us is actually a short time compared to eternity. But we're sojourners. And so Jesus gives abundant life. Everyone say, Jesus gives abundant life. All right, good. John 10.10, 10, it says this. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and what? And Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it what? You guys don't know what that means. That's awesome. So let me give you the context of what's going on here in John chapter chapter 10. It's all about Jesus being the the good shepherd. And he's talking about being the shepherd there at the, the beginning of this. Actually, verse 11 says that the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. Earlier in this chapter, it says this. Jesus says, I am the shepherd and my sheep know my voice. And they follow me through the door or the gate. Can I tell you something? Jesus is the way. He is the way, the only way. It's through him, in him, and 
by him, and that's it. You may say, hey, well, why do I need a shepherd? Why do I need Jesus? I'll tell you why. Because in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Come on. You guys love to, to do what you want to do, don't you? Come on. So I have teenagers. I know my kids love to do what they want to do and not what mom and dad want them to do sometimes, right? But here's the thing. This, this scripture tells us all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, talking about Jesus, the iniquity of us all. I mentioned this in, in, the, in the first service. And how many have ever seen that, that video of the shepherd and, and where the sheep is there and there's a ditch and the sheep is upside down in the, in the ditch and his legs are hanging out and the shepherd's trying to get him out and the shepherd reaches down and pulls the sheep out, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And he pulls the sheep out and the sheep gets up and the sheep's so happy to be free and the sheep takes off running and jumps right down in the same hole in the same situation. Its feet are still up in the air. That is like you and me. What we do, God's like, I will help you. And like, I want to do what I want. Lord, help again. Help me again. I'm upside down again. Bah. Bah. The good shepherd comes and pulls us out. The good shepherd who died for our iniquities and our sins on Calvary. It's, it's a beautiful picture, resurrected, that we might go through him. The gate. Matter of fact, I talked about this the first week that we were on this series, the narrow gate. It's the narrow gate that leads to life, not the broad way. Not that, that leads to destruction. It's the narrow gate. It's only through Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. And it's interesting. So uh, the, the thief, let's talk about the thief. I don't want to give the, the devil too much, but let's talk about the thief, the devil, Satan, Diablo, right? Let's just keep going, all right? Lucifer. Satan's purpose is this, to steal, kill, and destroy. Somebody was saying, oh, that's my brother-in-law. Don't be, don't be thinking that way, right? All right. <laughs> no, the devil, his, his, his only desire, his only purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Can I tell you something? The devil uses false teachers to mislead people and to take people, to make them think that they're believing something when it, is, it isn't correct and it isn't right. The devil also uses this thing called in our life called false security. Some of us put our, our hope in our career, not knowing that tomorrow you could go into work and they could be like, here's your pink slip. Or some of you have put your trust in your bank account. And let me tell you something, knowing that there could be a collapse in the economy and your money doesn't go as far as it used to. Come on, somebody, right? And those are false securities. We put our trust in those things. And, and the devil at times, he'll even use himself in those moments, but he wants to snatch the sheep from the good shepherd. Hey, can I, can I pull you over here? Can I, can I show you this? He, he, he tried on the cross. The devil tried on the cross. He tried to steal Christ's deity. He tried to kill him once and for all, and he tried to destroy the plan of salvation. But little did he know that God was working a greater plan. Amen? But Jesus Christ overcame those lies by overcoming death, hell, and the grave. Amen? And because of that, we know the way to salvation. I love that. But Jesus Christ, he overcame those lies. Amen. So, so the thief takes life. Jesus, the good shepherd, gives it. Everyone say, the thief takes 
Jesus gives. I want you to get that in your head. The thief takes, Jesus gives. Powerful, powerful. And Jesus gives, listen, uh, this scripture, abundant life. You know what abundant means? More than enough. More than enough. Now, Ephesians 3.20 says it like this. Paul would write it now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask for or think according to his power at work within us. He's saying this. God, he, he, be, more than what you can even imagine, God wants to bless you and God wants to take care of you and God wants to s- sustain you. I, I mentioned this uh, in, the, in the first service, but when I was little, uh, I took a trip with my mom. And I'll finish this story because some of you, I left them on a cliffhanger in the first service. But I went on a trip with my mom to go see my grandparents. We were living in Mississippi, and I had just uh, had a traumatic injury and hadn't seen my grandparents. And me and my mom went on this bus ride. Anybody ever rode the Greyhound? God bless you. All right. Uh, And so we rode the Greyhound up to St. Louis where my grandparents were living. And my grandpa came and picked us up at the bus station. And I, I remember we got off the bus station, and my grandpa he saw me and he hugged me. I was happy to see him and always happy. I, I, how many of you grandparents know that grandbabies are the best, right? All right. I, I don't have any. That's okay right now. I'm good with that. All right. But, but, but listen, I love my grandparents. I still have my grandpa around. I love to see him. All right. But, but my grandpa, he picked me up there, at, at, picked us up there, me and my mom, and, and there was a Burger King. Come on. How many know that Burger King smells better than it tastes? There's some truth to that. No, I'm just, I'm just, but I remember there was a Burger King. There was a Burger King there. Uh, every time I go by the one on 16th Street, I'm always like, man, that smells so good. But I, I know it's just tricking me, right? But anyways, uh, but we were, were there at Burger King, and I was four years old. And I remember looking up and seeing a picture of a Whopper. And I said, I want a Whopper. And my grandpa said, I'll, I'll get him a Whopper. And my mom said, no, you're not going to get him a Whopper because he will not eat a Whopper. He is four years old, and that is way too much food, all right? And I looked at my grandpa and said, I want a Whopper. And my mom said, no. Yeah, some of you grandparents and parents know what I'm talking about. This, this, there's this, this, you know, grandparents are like, it's just a Whopper. It's okay. And the parents are like, it's the principle, okay? It's the principle behind it. That's what it is, right? But and, 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 and I said, I want a Whopper. And my grandpa said, I will buy him a Whopper. And my mom said, fine. So he got me a Whopper. All four-year-old me holding this Whopper. Sitting there. Took a bite of it. Maybe one bite of that thing. And I, I didn't finish the Whopper. Of course I didn't. I was four years old. I didn't even know. I just wanted something. I, I didn't even realize. But, but here, there's an abundance to God. It, it's more than, than what I deserve and what I should get. Amen? Amen? It's kind of like this. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, I was, I was saying every once in a while, Tristan will make me a plate of food. And when she does, she knows, hey, hey, don't, don't, don't give him a small portion of potatoes. Let's give him two things of potatoes because I know my husband, right? And how many, I always get to food. I don't know why I always talk about food. Yeah, I do because I love food. But but here's the thing. How many know that God will give you the abundant amount and not just, hey, a little bit of portion, the, the portion that you deserve. Come on, somebody, right? Amen. Abundant life. 
abundant life here, it, it, it includes this. Abundant life includes this. Salvation. Come on. Salvation. Coming into relationship with Jesus. Salvation. It also means nourishment. It also means healing and much, much more. Matter of fact, in John chapter 10, verse 9, it says, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by, uh, by me, he will be saved. Come on, saved. And will go in and out and find Pastor, you know what that tells me? That when I come into right relationship with Jesus, Jesus is going to take me to pastures where it's green, and he is going to sustain me, and he is going to be my supply, and he is going to take care of me. And while I am on this earth, he is going to give me an abundant life. Amen. But here's the thing. you got to trust the shepherd because he will lead you. But here's our problem. We're like sheep. Hey. Lord, I know you're going over there, but right now I really want to go over here. I really want to go over here. I really want to do what I want to do. And here's what I know. When you follow the shepherd, this is what happens. You'll have joy. Come on, somebody. You'll have peace. Come on, somebody. You'll have righteousness as you follow the good shepherd. The Lord knows where to lead you and where to take you. Do you trust him, though? Now, let me, let me just explain something to you. Uh, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have trouble in this life. You know, how many can say, I've had troubles, right? I've had troubles, right? And, and here's the thing. In John chapter 16, 33, Jesus said this, in this life you will have trouble. That's how I know that I'm going to have trouble. But the flip side to that verse is Jesus said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. Trust me. He's saying, trust me. Trust me, when you follow Jesus, he will supply your needs. He will be enough. He'll be enough to your mental health. Come on, somebody. He'll be the joy that the world cannot be. Amen. With Christ, life here on earth can reach a much, much higher quality. Amen. All right, here's, here's number three. I'm going to ask the worship team to come, all right. Amen. How many believe in miracles? All right, I'm going to get through this last point here. Here we go. <laughs> All right, so look at this. Number three, Jesus gives abundant life. Here's the next one. Jesus gives eternal life. Jesus died on a cross, raised from the dead so that we could have life and life more abundantly. And then one of the great things to that is he gives us eternal life. Not only is God interested in blessing us with abundant life, he's interested in giving us eternal life. So Jesus is teaching us that, that what we are, are to really be concerned about is not so much this life, but the eternal things, the things that are beyond, right? I said we're pilgrims in this land. The scripture speaks often of life to come after our life here on earth. It talks about the next, right? And as we follow the voice of the shepherd, we... We can grasp that this eternal life is here and now. When we begin to live and knowing, hey, I have e e eternal plans. I, I'm going where Jesus has taken me. He, he, he told the disciples there in John chapter 14, where I'm going, you will go also. Guess what? He's made a promise to you and I. Where he is, we will go with him. This is, this is powerful. That means, that means that where there's eternal life, when we know Jesus Christ, we are going to be right there with him. That is a beautiful thing. John chapter 11, verse 23 and 27. This is the story of Lazarus. And Lazarus had been dead four days. And 
Jesus has been hanging out in Jerusalem. He gets over to Bethany finally, and Jesus is on his way into town. And Martha, you know Martha, right, in the Bible, man, she, she'd tell anybody, even Jesus, hey, I'm here to tell you what I think at this point. She goes out, and she meets Jesus there, and she says, Jesus, if you'd have been here, he, uh, Lazarus, would not be dead, which is, which is probably a true statement in reality. You know, it's, it's probably a very true statement. Jesus said to her, your brother will, will rise again. Now, Martha should have been like, okay, Jesus said it. I'm going to trust him. I've seen him do things before. But Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Talking about when we rise. And Jesus said to her, listen to what Jesus said. Oh, another pointed, another prophetic, very strong thing. He says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never, what, die. You know what that's called? Eternal life. And then he says this, do you believe this? Do you believe this? So do you, do you understand this, Martha? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into this world. And I think Martha right there said something that was so powerful when she said, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ that's coming into this world. She put Jesus in his right place where he wasn't so much for Jesus' sake as much as it was for her to understand, hey, Jesus has got this. See, and, and you know the story. Jesus calls him out, and, and you know, and Lazarus comes out, and, and that's a beautiful story. But my, but my point here is this. She's worrying about theologically. She's Martha's thinking theologically, but, but Jesus is saying this. I am the resurrection. I'm relating to you personally. I, I'm telling you, I am the resurrection. I am what you need right now. And can I tell you something? Jesus will be everything that you need right here and right now if you let him. But it takes a desire on your part to say, hey, God, I, I am going to trust you. I don't always understand. I don't, I don't always understand circumstances, but I've done everything in my own power. And I'm sure Martha had done everything in her own power. But I'm just going to trust you, Lord. You're right. You are the resurrection. I believe powerful moment. See, this is what I know. Christ is life to those who have who have not died and believe. You know how I know that? Because Christ lives within me. I would be dead in my sins if it wasn't for Christ and His resurrection power within me. I would be lost and dying. Some of you would be lost and dying. Some of you should be dead laying in a ditch somewhere. Maybe strung out on drugs at a at a drug house, or but but Christ has sustained you. What He's looking for from you is a yes, Lord, I will follow you. Scripture tells us this in John chapter three, verse fourteen through sixteen. We know John three sixteen. We quote it all the time, but uh, um, and and it says this: Even so, must the Son of Man be lifted up, talking about Jesus going up on the cross. And, and it says that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? You know verse 15 said that? But then I like how John, he pretty much puts it on repeat. He just changes the wording a little bit. John 3, 16, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who? Whoever. Whoever. He didn't just say this group of people. He didn't just say Americans. He didn't just say people from Europe. He didn't just say... You know, whatever the case, he, he said, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. 
See, there's a few things that I, that I take from that verse, and, and, and they're powerful. This is what I know. You, if you're in a place and your life is not put together, it doesn't matter, run to Jesus. If your marriage is falling apart, run to Jesus. If you got an issue going on, run to Jesus. He is all that you'll ever need. He just says, come follow me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the good shepherd. I will take you down these abundant life. I will give you eternal life. Just follow me. Jesus is the only way. Amen. He is the true God and eternal life. 1 John 5.20 tells us. So Jesus gives us eternal life to those who surrender to a life to him. Here's, here's what I want to tell you this, all right? Everyone say, Jesus is alive. Everyone say, Jesus gives abundant life. Everyone say, Jesus gives eternal life. And I, I use this verse a lot here. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. It's what I deserve. It's what sin gives you, the wage of sin. When you, when you produce sin, the wage of it is death. That's it. But here's the flip side of that verse. But the free gift of God is what? In Christ Jesus our Lord. There's the flip to that. And here's the thing. We, we read that so fast we don't even realize it is a free gift that God's saying, I'm the way, I'm the truth. Yeah, it's exclusive. you got to go in through his door. But he's saying, anybody that will come, I will give it to you. Anybody. You just got to come this way, right? You just got to come this way. So, so Jesus is the way. He is not a way. He is the, the way. Amen. Jesus is the truth, the truth that leads us to the Father and, 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 and a better and an abundant life here on earth. And Jesus also leads us to eternal life for eternity. Will you bow your heads with me all across this building? 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I, I want to share this. A lot of times we, we love the act of salvation because God takes our sins. But that's that's not, that's part of it. That's not the full act. In, in the act of salvation, God has not only taken our sins, but he has given us his righteousness. Scripture says that our righteousness is, is as a filthy rag. But our works and what we can do, we fail. We make mistakes. We can never live up to the Ten Commandments. We don't have to because Jesus Christ did it for us. Now we got to surrender our life to him is what, what, that, what that means. Galatians 2.20. Listen, I'm going to give you a few more verses. It says this, Paul writing this, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ, what? Lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. While I'm on this earth, I'm going to live for him because he lives in me. He's going to give me abundant life in this life. With all heads bowed and no one looking around in this moment, I know, and, and I want to thank you for being patient with me today, but I believe God has been stirring hearts in this house. And I will tell you this, the best decision you can ever make is to follow Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity to know Jesus today. If you're here and you, under the sound of my voice, and you just hear the, the compelling call, uh, you feel it in your heart, you, the tugging of the Holy Spirit dealing with your heart right where you're at. No one looking around, please. No one looking around. If you're here and you say, hey, Pastor, I need to 
get my life right with Christ. I need to, to get some things right in my heart today. Would you just lift your hand? Anybody in the building? No one looking around. I, I just want to pray with you. Listen, I, I don't want to call you out. I, won't, I don't want to make you feel awkward. I promise. I, I just want to lead you in prayer. I want to lead you in prayer. Just wait just a moment. Now, listen, first service, we had people raise their hands. I, I know God's doing something in this house. Come on. Come on. I'm, I'm going to wait just a minute. Just a minute. Anybody? 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 Anybody in the balcony? Anybody? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on. Don't miss your moment. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on. The Holy Spirit's dealing in this house. Don't miss your moment today. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. All right. Listen. I, I want you to, to, to listen to me real fast. The Bible says this in Romans 10.9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Verse 10, I, I, I'll just, very bit of scripture. We quote that a lot. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one, con, is, uh, one confesses and is saved. So it's important. I, I believe it's a, important to believe in your heart, but it's important to confess with your mouth. So this is what I want to do. I don't want to call anybody out. I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer with me today. I want you to pray this, this prayer, this sinner's prayer with me today. And I, I want to lead you to a relationship with Jesus. And I believe that the Holy Spirit's dealing with you. You raise your hand because the Holy Spirit's dealing with you. The Holy Spirit's drawing you. Okay? So pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. God, I admit that I have went astray. God, that I've went my own way. And Lord, right now, I ask you, Jesus to forgive me for all my sins, all my wrongdoings. God, I believe that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, that he was hung on a cross and died for my sins, was buried and rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is coming back for me. Lord, I confess that Jesus is the Lord of my life. God, I declare him over my life. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, can you give Jesus a hand clap of praise?